Good morning, Senior Pastor. How are you? Morning, Pastor. I'm doing fine. Thank the Lord. Hope you're doing fine too. I'm doing well. I, I, you know, this this lesson was such a blessing to me as I was going through it this past week, and um, hopefully it's going to be a blessing to all those that that hear. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Israel's return from exile. Um, we, you know, through the past few lessons, we have been talking about how they were exiled, how they were, how they failed to be faithful to God. And I like that phrase. They, they failed to be faithful to God. And because of that, they got themselves in, into some trouble and they were exiled. And here we're going to kind of go through um, kind of a, in, a, in a broad sense, um, you know, how they came out of exile and, and the walls being, were being rebuilt, um, Ezra's contribution to that, Nehemiah's contribution to that, um, and also Malachi's. Um, so we're going to be talking about, in three parts, the temple being rebuilt, um, Ezra, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, uh, Ezra, chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, and chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Then we're going to look at Jerusalem's wall being rebuilt by Nehemiah. And we'll find that in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, chapter 3, verse one through, verses 1 through 2, chapter, well, chapter 3, sorry, verses 1 through 2, uh, and verses Randy. 28 through 32, sorry. And then we're going to look at uh, chapter 6, verses 15 through 16. And finally, uh, God's people called to reform. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, and verses 16 through 18. Now, we know that Christians can trust God to keep his covenant promises. And this is what we see with the children of Israel, uh, uh, that God kept his covenant to Abraham, to Israel. Um, now, we're going to examine the Jews return to the promised land and we're going to affirm that God truly keeps his promises. Now, Ezra chapter 1 verse 2, uh, Cyrus, king of Persia said, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem. He has charged. He has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. There are three major events in the history of Israel: the Exodus, the exile, and the return. And of course, we're going to be talking about the return today. In the Exodus, God took a motley crew of Hebrew slaves and transformed them into a kingdom of priests. And that's, that's so cool. Basically, the author of this commentary is basically saying, hey, God can make something out of your mess. You know, if you're in a, a, a slavery type of situation, you know, if you're in sin, if you're, you know, if you feel as if you're too far gone, God can restore you. God can set you free. God can transform you 
into a kingdom of priests. Wow. Into something valuable and special. For more than 700 years, the people of Israel inhabited the promised land. 700 years. As long as they lived in the promised land, they failed to be faithful to God. Of course, with a few exceptions. Generations of idolatry, and we keep harping on this, you know, the generational curse is real. This is something that is truly real. You can pass on habits, um, circumstances, situations, um, uh, state of mind, different types of things can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. So generations of idolatry led to God's judgment. And in, seven, in 722 BC, the Assyrian armies destroyed the northern kingdom of the ten tribes of, of Israel. They captured them and then they destroyed the kingdom. In 586 BC, the Babylonian army destroyed Jerusalem and exiled the surviving citizens of Judah. Now, this was uh, Judah and, and, and Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the smallest tribes um, that existed in Israel. And uh, Judah and, and Benjamin were the, the two uh, surviving tribes that were destroyed by the Babylonian army. They were captured, and then Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. Right um, After generations of infidelity to God, he abandoned the Judeans to their enemies. This signified the end of the Davidic dynasty and the death of the nation. But this is not the end of the great story of God. After 70 years in Babylonian exile, God allowed the Judean exiles to return to Jerusalem. And uh, we find this um, even in our lives that there are times when we stray from God and, you know, there's a time when we return. Uh, we see that so often um, where people backslide, people go against the will of God, and um, there's a time of repentance and a time of returning, and so it was here with the Judean exiles. They were afforded the opportunity to return to Jerusalem. Not all of them did. Um, not all of them did. Uh, some of them were still established in Babylon, uh, but for the most part, um, you know, many of the exiles returned. God would not allow the covenants he made with Abraham, Moses, and David to fail. God's enduring mercy is demonstrated in the resurrection of the nation in the resurrection of the nation. So we, we have quite a bit to go through. And Sina Pass, I'm going to turn it over to you um, as you explain to us how the temple was rebuilt. Right. And two things jump out at me as you read that, Pastor O. Um, for more than 700 years, the people of Israel lived in the Promised Land. As long as they lived in the Promised Land, they failed to be faithful to God. 700 years. Yep. Longer than most of us. And with few exceptions, they were not faithful to God. And um, I, I hope that we will pay some attention to that. God 
deserve and demand nothing else but our faithfulness to him. Both as individual and as a church, we need to be faithful to him. That's what, that we will get our reward for. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many. And then um, the next one that jumped out at me is the ending of that. God's enduring mercy is demonstrated in the resurrection of the nation. And I think that's where America is. Um, America needs a resurrection, not only as individual, not only financially, but also spiritually. And that's what we are praying for. That's what we should be praying for. We don't need to take sides. We need to just ask the Lord to have mercy and to resurrect this nation. This nation has great potential. That's why we are all here. So we need to pray for that. But okay, return from exile. And we're talking about the return right now. We have the exodus, the exile, and the return. Wonderful. Can you think about going back home when you're going back to Jamaica? You're excited and, um, you know, that sort of thing. So um, this was the return. They were going back to their homeland. And what happened is that the Babylonians and Babylonians from Babylon. Babylon was a terrible place, a wicked place. And uh, we used to sing, leave Babylon, leave Babylon and come. Don't mind your friend. They will laugh you to scorn. When Christ was on earth, they did him the very same. Look in your life. See how you live. Leave Babylon and come. And the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. They raised the temple and took all the sacred treasures. Now raise mean that they either bulldoze it or burned it down to the ground, you know. And they took all the sacred treasures. The destruction of the temple was the ultimate sign that God had abandoned Jerusalem. And when I was reading this up to last night, it jumped out at me, God abandoned you. You are in terrible shape. If he abandon a nation, that nation is doomed. If he abandon an individual, you are in terrible shape. You know, there is no hope for you. But listen to our God, our merciful God. God had promised and he keeps his promise that the Judean exile would not be permanent. Because his enduring mercy was once again extended because of the promise he made to the descendants of Abraham that in him shall all nations of the world be blessed. And what happened here after they encountered all this? The destruction and everything being taken. Um, God would not abandon them. He would keep his promise. So he stirs the people. God stirs the people. Ezra said that in Ezra 1, 1 to 5. To um, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me, he said, all the kingdoms of the earth 
and he had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So God can use kings, he can use presidents to do his will, although they might not be godly people, right? But God, although God had given him all the kingdoms of the earth, his charge to him was that he would build him an house at Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and priests and the Levites with all with all of them whose spirit God had raised, with all of them whom spirit whom spirit of God had raised. Now note that not everybody will have that kind of spirit. Was not all of them, but all those whom God's Spirit had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And um, note here that there was a stirring and a rising. God stir, people raised up. God stir, the people raised up. And I, I, my prayer is that God will us again to action because some of us are so complacent we are sitting down we don't care about anybody else we don't care about souls being saved we don't care about his church we don't care about doing anything for him we're just killing ourselves to make it through life and we have forgotten about our purpose and we talked about that I think earlier this year the purpose of us being here being made we were not called to just make money and live in homes and drive good cars no 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 god needs to stir us up and i think he's doing that through this pandemic i think he's stirring up people i've gotten so many calls i've had calls of people who want to be a part of the ministry i've got calls of people wanting to be baptized so i think there is a stirring that is taking place and if you feel the, feel the stirring of God, you need to rise up and do what the Lord asks you to do. Now, what are we saying here? This, this, the great story assures us that geopolitical affairs of the world are not arbitrary. All right? Um, politics all over different nations doing things doesn't mean anything. Um, whatever the politicians say is not what God says. We need to realize that human events are guided by the hand of Yahweh, the hand of God. He's guiding this nation. He has the whole world in his hand. He directs the affairs of this world. And just like what happened to Israel here, that they failed to, to live up to God's standard and God abandoned them. It could be that's what is happening in certain quarters. God is abandoning some people and something that we do so that we could, he could bring us back to himself. We need to know who God is. In everything, there's a time and a season, right? God made everything beautiful in his own way, and we seek to destroy it. So God will abandon us sometimes to get our attention. Cyrus of Persia was anointed by God for the ultimate purpose of restoring Jerusalem to the Judeans. God, Yahweh, stirred up the spirit of Cyrus so the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. Just as God's word of judgment 
in the destruction of Jerusalem was certain. Likewise, God's promise of restoration of Jerusalem was dependable. My friends, whatever he said he's going to do, he's going to do. He's, an, he's not a God who change, and his promises that he make with you and made with Abraham is still true today and still whole for us. So we don't have to doubt. We have to believe God. Whatever he says, if he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. And although sometimes we don't appreciate that blessing, he will still bless you sometimes because of our disobedience. It takes a while for us to receive what the Lord has promised for us. And we, we go through certain things that we should not have gone through, like the children of Israel. They went through certain situations because of their disobedience, because of their unfaithfulness. And we need to learn from that. Because the decree was issued in the behalf of the Judeans, Cyrus used the name of God, of the God of Judeans, the Lord. That is meaning Yahweh. Uh, the use of the name of Yahweh was not a declaration of faith, but an announcement of political policy. In fact, and listen why, the repatriation of all conquered people to their homeland was a Persian policy. And politically, the people were supposed to go back. So it wasn't really that it was a declaration of faith. You know, it was just the policy of the politicians. But God used that to his glory. The great God have delivered all the lands into my hand, but he decreed me to build a temple. Cyrus was not concerned that Yahweh be honored, but that the people who worship Yahweh be pacified. Politicians sometimes use the name of the Lord, and they don't mean it. The irony is that even as Cyrus is attempting to use the name of Yahweh or God, political purposes, and we see that happening or the, by both sides. They take Bible and they quote scripture, but they're really not godly. They don't want the church to exist at all. But um, that was what they were trying to do. Not only did Cyrus allow the Judeans to return to Jerusalem, but listen what God did. He financed the endeavor and returned the temple treasuries. Not only did he do that, see, watch God, watch God, watch God. Although he was not a godly man, but God used him to provide the finance and to return to them all that they had taken. Yahweh, God also stirred up, raised up the elders and the priests of Judah and Benjamin. Aren't you longing for that day when, when the elders and the, the priests and the nation and everybody, aren't you longing for that time when God will raise up those of us who are calling his name? It's, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. After decades of living in the providences along the Euphrates River, many Judeans had made Babylon their home. They had no intention of returning to the ruins of Jerusalem. So God began to stir the hearts of a remnant of the people, beginning with the leaders. Ezekiel prophesied that the remnant of the exile would be given one heart and a new spirit. And we talked about that new heart and new nation last week. So they would be faithful to God's covenant. As God began to stir the hearts of the people, they began to remember his promise. It was time. And let me 
say that over and over again. It was time to leave Babylon. And I believe he's talking to somebody today. It's time to leave your situation. It's time to leave that mess that you're in. It's time to leave sin. It's time for a new exodus. Just as their ancestors had been delivered from Egypt, now God was delivering a new generation. Just as the exodus generation had to receive their inheritance, the return generation had to reclaim their promise. Come on, return generation. Time to claim your promise. And so we found, find out that the temple foundation was laid. And, and this also jumped out at me, Pastor Ho. The foundation, they weren't waiting for the completion of the building in order to praise God. We do it the opposite way. We wait for everything to be finished. But as they lay the foundation of the temple, verse 10, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord. Now all of these instruments are made to praise the Lord. And they did it after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together. Come on, praise and worship team. They sung together. Come on, church. They sang together by court in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because he is good for his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, some people don't like the shouting at all, but this is Bible. It's biblical. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the people shouted with a great shout. Don't come to church and sit down quiet and act like when, when the, the praise and worship team singing their hearts out and the preacher up there preaching his heart out. You sit down cold and lukewarm and quiet. The Lord said, if you're, if you're lukewarm, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. So come on and get your praise on. The people shouted with a great shout, the Lord has done so much for us. Look at where he brought you from. It's time for the people to shout with a great shout. We are doing it unto the Lord, the God of Israel. When the foundation of the temple was established, the people gathered to worship according to the ancient tradition of King David. The rebuilding of the temple signified that Neither God nor the people had forgotten the Davidic covenant. Decades of Babylonian captivity could not squash the sacred memory of Israel. They gathered, worshippers sang together. The Lord is good, for his mercy endured forever. According to um, the singing of Psalm 136, also known as the great psalm of praise, in which the refrain for his mercy endures forever. And you, you can read that scripture and every stanza finished with, for his mercy endure forever. It is repeated 26 times. The return of the remnant to the promised land and the laying of the foundation of the second temple was a testimony to the enduring mercy of Yahweh. And I hope that when we are able to gather together again, that we will Sing and shout and glorify God and say for his mercy, endure it forever. And you know why? 
because you didn't have to be here. So many people have been destroyed by COVID. You could have been there. You could have been in that lot. So we have a lot to praise him for. As the people worshipped, some shouted with joy, while others wept with a loud voice. Praise the Lord. And then after that, they finished the temple, and they got to rededicate the temple. Verse 15, And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of captivity, kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. With the rebuilding of the second temple would prove to be a difficult and long task. And, I, and this jumped out at me as well. The time for the dedication of the temple's foundation until the completion of the second temple spanned the reign of three Persian kings over a period of 20 years, all of which were filled with conflict. Make a note of that. They had three kings, three Persian kings, 20 years, and it was filled with conflict. The people became discouraged. And the work on the temple ceased shortly after the dedication of the foundation. For more than 15 years, the foundation laid dormant. So when they laid the foundation and they rejoiced about that, they went through a period of conflict. Enemy fighting against them. People not understanding each other. And the, the temple work ceased until after 15 years, then the people needed to be encouraged. And it was the prophetic preaching of Agai and Zechariah that energized them. Sometimes we need that. Somebody come along and, and encourage us and preach to us and tell us that it's not over till it's over. Through the preaching of Agai, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Jerubabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked in the house of the Lord of hosts, dear God, oh God, we pray that there will be a stirring, a stirring in our time, a stirring in this nation, a stirring at sunshine, that the people will rise up and build. Zechariah reminded the people that they were empowered by the spirit of Yahweh. He said, not by night, nor by power, but by my spirit, by God's spirit, the work will be accomplished. After 15 years of inactivity, the people resume work on the temple. Four and a half years after the preaching of Agai, the temple work was completed. So it took them four and a half years that um, was there for 20 years dormant. It took them four and a half years, and they completed the temple and oh, how they praise God. And how they glorify God. And they, they, they sacrifice male goats and as a sin offering for the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, this was a remarkable act of confession and faith. The returning remnant was comprised, comprised of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin as well as Levi. Oh, yes. And they built the temple and they offered sin's offering and ask for God's forgiveness and they pray and they glorify God and they dedicate it. The sin offering was also an act of faith 
that implied atonement and covenant remain available for all 12 tribes. Oh, he's worthy of trust. The world offers, listen to this church, the world offers a variety of options in which to place our trust. God offers himself. Let me say that again. The world offers a variety of options in which to place our trust. Television ads and radio ads and newspaper ads and everything on your, on your, on your phone. Oh, yes, they are calling and they, 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 they are not legitimate callers. Everybody is offering something, um, yes, and giving you option. If you do this and if you do that, you will be rich and you will get that and you will get that. But God offers himself and he shares his name and attributes so we might know that the one we trust is trustworthy. Ava Pennington said that. The one we trust is worthy. He is trustworthy of all ourselves. He offers himself to us today. Thank God. Thank God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. All right. And they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to protect themselves. That's all. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, something uh, that kind of jumped out at me as well. Um, it said, they did what their ancestors failed to do. The remnant maintained fidelity to Yahweh. The remnant, meaning those that were left. The remnant maintained fidelity to Yahweh. And this goes to say that sometimes you're not going to have a crowd. Right. That you have to stand up for God in your own way, in your own right. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. Right? That's, um, that's something that we uh, sometimes fail to do. We become quiet. Uh, but in the same token, it's, it's, um, it's for us. We are called to to stand up and, and, and declare in the public square what Jesus has said, what God has said, what the word of the Lord has said. Um, and so we, it, it leads us now to look at Nehemiah and the, the walls being rebuilt, Jerusalem's walls being rebuilt. Uh, now, Nehemiah served the Persian king Artaxerxes I as cupbearer. Sometimes when you hear this word cupbearer, you know, some people wonder, well, what is, what is it? Well, he was the king's wine taster. And that's a very um, interesting job because it requires fidelity to the king. Yeah. Meaning that if he, if Nehemiah were to taste the wine and the wine had poison in it, that would yeah. in essence, um, you know, take Nehemiah's life. So every time he tasted the wine, there was potential for him dying from it. Um, and so he had built a very good relationship with the king, and the king trusted him, and he trusted the king. As cupbearer, Nehemiah enjoyed the trust and favor 
of the monarch. Um, and so we see in Nehemiah 1 verse 3, it says, and, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity therein, the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now, we, we heard a little bit about uh, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel pretty much, um, he kind of restored the social aspect um, of, of the remnants, you know, of, of Israel. Um, and then you have Ezra, um, who was more geared towards the spiritual the spiritual aspect of Israel, restoring, um, you know, the, the, the spiritual connection between God and his people. And then here you have Nehemiah, who is more so the builder. Nehemiah, the builder. Um, and here we find that in 70 years after the completion and dedication of the second temple, Nehemiah was informed that the situation in Jerusalem was desperate. The city wall and gates remained in ruins, still bearing the scars of the Babylonian invasion after 140 years. And the great affliction and reproach of Jerusalem was because the remnant had dealt very corruptly against God by not maintaining the Mosaic, the Mosaic covenant, meaning that they didn't pay attention to God's word and God's uh, covenant which they had pledged to do when the second temple was dedicated. So here we find that, you know, there was, there was a reformation, there was a, a return to God, and, 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 you know, the remnant kept going back on their word. Yes, I'm going to worship you, God. But then they started slipping into, you know, what they used to do, their idol worship and so forth. Um, so the sin of the remnant was not idolatry, so to speak, but half-heartedness. So they would do certain things, you know, just like us. We're somewhat lukewarm. We're, we're comfortable. Now that the temple is being rebuilt and everything is, is, is fine, you know, there is slippage there. We, we do things um, haphazardly, half-heartedly. We, we are not into, into worship. We come, as a senior pastor said earlier, we come to church and we sit in the, in, in the seat and as praise and worship is going on, we're like, amen, yeah, 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 let's go through the motion um, because it becomes more like a chore. It, it's, it, it's, it's not engaging. We're not worshiping God from our heart, but we're worshiping God out of uh, service or maybe even obligation. There's nothing that's coming from the inside of us. There's nothing that is oozing out of us that is, that is warm and affectionate to God, even in our worship. So this is what they were kind of going through. Some were still engaging in a little idolatry, right? But there are others that were just doing it, oh, okay, yeah, this is fine, this is all right. Um, and, and they were just doing things half, um, half-heartedly. Um, there was a half-heartedness to what they were doing. Um, the mission of God is often difficult, and without the right leaders, the people got discouraged. So not only were the people being discouraged, but they weren't, um, they weren't being led. And oh, how we need good leadership 
in our world today, not only um, on, a, on a political spectrum, but also uh, within our churches. Uh, there are so many churches that are starving, that are suffering because of the lack of good leadership, good spiritual and, and, and wise leadership, and oh, how we crave that today. Upon hearing of the desperate situation in his homeland, in Nehemiah's homeland in Jerusalem, Nehemiah requested permission to travel to Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes granted permission for Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem for the purpose of rebuilding the city. Now listen to this. Artaxerxes even financed the mission by providing building materials. This is favor. Remember Mm -hmm. we talked about that. Nehemiah enjoyed trust and favor from the king. And because of the trust and the favor that he had with the king, the king granted him permission to go back to his hometown to rebuild it. And not only did the king grant him permission, the king also gave him supplies, building materials, right? Um, This is what favor does, right? This is what favor does. Now, um, repairing the city walls would be difficult. Uh, Nehemiah 2, verse 11 through 20, uh, we're going to read a few verses um, there. Um, And Nehemiah said he arose in the night, he and some uh, few men with, with him, um, he said, Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. Then I, Nehemiah, told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. That's God's favor on him as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So what, is, what was this saying? What, was this, what were these few scriptures talking about? After arriving in Jerusalem, at first, Nehemiah told no one of the purpose of his visit, almost like he came like a thief in the night. He knew there would be opposition from Israel's enemies in the land. So during the night, he secretly inspected the walls of Jerusalem and discovered how Jerusalem lieth waste. Jerusalem was in a state of reproach. That is, Jerusalem had been disgraced. The ruined city walls and burned Gates signified a time when Yahweh withheld divine grace from the city. Now put yourself, you know, kind of interject yourself in terms of the city or the city walls. There are times when our city walls, right, are, are, are ruined, right, and, and, and our gates are burned. We have no relationship we feel with God. We feel as if God has rejected us. Nothing is going right in our life. And mm. I often allude to this, that there are times when we pray all that we have prayed. We've cried all that we could cry. 
we've read the right scriptures, we've, we, we, we feel as if we've done the right things, but at the same time, our lives are in a state of ruin. And I'm here to tell you that God can restore that which was burned. God can restore that which was ruined. But you have to be patient. You have to maintain fidelity to God, meaning that you have to be sure in whom you believe. You can't be, as we would say, wishy-washy, right? You can't be uh, double-minded, right? We, we have to recognize that we have to have this fidelity, this allegiance, this alliance to God in everything that he does, knowing yeah. that he can restore that which was ruined and that which was burned. Wow, that's awesome. He can restore that which was ruined and that which was burned. Now, it was time that the city show signs of grace, time for the city to be rebuilt. And I'm saying to you, it's time for your city to be rebuilt. There were two things necessary for the rebuilding of the city. The first mm -hmm. is that the hand of God needed to be with them. And then the second is that the words of the king. We should not dismiss the divine human cooperation in these events, meaning that there are times when you have to step outside of the church in order to form an alliance, right? With right. People that might not even believe in what you believe in, right? There are times when you're, you may have to hook up with unbelievers in order to get that vision that God has given to you in order for it to go forth. So there are times when you may have to, um, you know, discomfort yourself from the things that you know and sometimes from the people that you know in order to allow God to work on your behalf. Uh, sometimes we become so confined in, you know, in the church that we don't want to talk to anybody else. We don't want to talk to banks. We don't want to talk to unbelievers. We just feel that we can do it all by ourselves. But here we find that there was a cooperation between the hand of God and the word of the king. And those things married together, and then Nehemiah was able to work and work freely because he knew that the hand of God was on him, and he knew he got permission from the king. Awesome. The divine human cooperation in the rebuilding project is especially demonstrated among the people of the return. Much of the work of God in the world is accomplished by divinely empowered human hands, right? Yeah. God uses our hands. God uses our feet. God uses our skills. God uses our mind or brain in order to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. When people of authority arose to try to stop the rebuilding effort, Nehemiah declared, right? Nehemiah declared, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise and build. This is very important. Like I said, right? Uh, this was Nehemiah 2, verse 20. The God of heaven himself will prosper us Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Um, we have to um, 
work in accordance with what God has given us, that plan that he has given us, that vision that he has given us, um, that inspiration that you have. Work. Work. Because you have the hand of God with you, right? And he, was, he is going to prosper you in order to bring it to pass. Finally, the work of God. Nehemiah 3, verses 1 through 2, verses 28 through 32, uh, chapter 6, verses 15 through 16. And we're going to look at actually uh, chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. Um, it says, so the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elul. In 50 and 2 days, 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Mm. It was impossible. Jerusalem was in utter ruins. How could this be done in 52 days? How could this be done in less than two months? So here it tells us, right, that the heathen and, and the enemies that saw from afar off, right, they said, oh, no, this, this has to be God. And don't you find in your life sometimes that people look at you and how did you survive this? How did you come out of, this had to be God. This had to be God, right? I was talking to uh, um, Bishop Hawes the other day, and he was talking how, you know, the, the healthcare workers that were helping him, um, even the doctor himself said, no, this, this had to be God. There's no way you could have survived this accident. And so it is with many of us. There are times when we are in situations, and our testimony alone, Right, bears witness to God's grace and God's mercy and God's providence, divine providence over our lives. That's why it's important for us to testify, to talk about the goodness of God, because that's the only way. Some people may not even turn, uh, um, open a Bible and, and turn its pages and, and even read a verse of Scripture. But when they see what God has done for you, that alone, hmm bears witness okay. to his grace and to his mercy. And they will say, you know, the God that you serve, I want to serve that God. So it's important. It's very important um, for us that we testify of God's goodness and God's mercy. Let me move on. Chapter 3 gives the record of those who work together to rebuild the city wall. Appropriately, it begins with um, Eliashib, the high priest, with his brethren leading the way, and concludes with the account of goldsmiths and merchants doing their part. It took everybody. Yeah. The rebuilding of Jerusalem was a massive task that would require many years and much money. It was to be done one stage at a time. The rebuilding project had many um, enemies who sought to subvert the work for a variety of reasons. But the enemies of the return could not uh, prevent the work from being completed. With the wall finished, the enemies who sought to discourage the rebuilding project were now discouraged. In their defeat, they confessed to the enduring grace of Yahweh. They perceived that this work was done by our God. 
I'm going to turn it over to you now, uh, Senior Pastor, for, for the, the, the final segment, God's People Called to Reform. Right, and two things um, that you said, well, two things from the lesson here that um, is necessary for the rebuilding of the city wall. And I, I dare say in our lives as well, in the church life, individual life, the hand of God and the words of the king. The hand of God and the words of the king. And if the hand of God is upon you, kings will be favorable to you. And why was this? Nehemiah had the favor of the king because of God's enduring grace. So, you know, it's saying a lot, and there's a whole lot of meaning to that that we could take today. You work at the place, and sometimes people don't treat you good. Be careful of how you leave. You might need a letter of recommendation. Your boss was mean to you, but be careful of how you leave. You might need that letter. Um, we're in the city. And we have to be careful how we behave. I was very elated when they called me in um, last year and um, told me of a few changes. And they said, when I said no problem, they said to me, how comes that everybody is not like you? You're so easy to work with. And I told them, got to live what we preach. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm just saying that for what is worth, that we need to look at that for the rebuilding of the city wall. It took the end of God and the words of the king. You know, the words of the king. God can make all things possible. But here we have that they had returned from captivity and um, that we laid the foundation, rebuilt the wall, repair the city walls through Nehemiah, and um, the work of God was finished. But um, something more needed to be done. God's people had to reform. They needed a reformation. And um, I dare say that some of our troubles today is because we fail to reform. In other words, reformation means to return to the Lord. And here we have Malachi, the last prophet, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3, verse 7, and he will deal with some things that perhaps should pique our attention, get our attention, and for us to be obedient to God. Listen to what Malachi said. God said, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me. Mm. Return unto me. Come back to me. And I will come back to you, said the Lord of hosts. But here they question, wherein shall we return? Wherein shall we return? What was happening here, as I said earlier, with the temple finished, the walls and gates of Jerusalem completed, the work will continue. Now the hearts of the people needed to be reformed. 
The returning people needed to return to the Lord. And if we are honest with ourselves, we would admit that we have gone away from the ordinances of the Lord. That's why sometimes our life is so difficult. The Lord is trying to get our attention, trying to get us to come back home, to return to favor with the Lord. The returning people needed to return to the Lord. The only thing that could accomplish that task was the word of the Lord. So, God spoke to the prophet Malachi, the last prophetic voice in the Old Testament. His message was about the coming day of the Lord. What was that day? A time when God, when Yahweh, would return to the temple. Because they had just rebuilt the temple and dedicated it. Malachi called the people to see. Behold, the Lord whom he seek shall suddenly come to his temple. I always love this verse. The Lord whom he seek shall suddenly come to his temple. And notice that it said his temple. The temple is not ours. It's God's temple. When they transgressed God, Jesus' time, Jesus was on earth. He went to the temple and he whipped them. Turn over the money changers. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You have turned it into a den of thieves. The temple belongs to him. Your temple belongs to him. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And any man who defiles it, God will destroy it. Speaking to Malachi, the Lord said, I will come near to you, to judgment. And listen, God's purpose in judgment is the sanctification, not destruction, amen, of the people. Sanctify you, crucifying the old Adamic nature. It means cleansing. It means a crucifying of the old. We were all born with an Adamic nature. We were prone to sin. And God intent is not to destroy us. It's not for destruction, but it's for sanctification. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is true. It is true that in sanctification, sinful attitudes and practices must must die. Now, do you have anything from that old Adamic nature that is brewing, that you find yourself doing, that you should not be doing, that you find yourself saying, that you find yourself going, that you should not be going, doing things that we should not be doing, saying things, speaking words that we should not be speaking that are ungodly, that are not right. Well, that's what it means today. He, does, he can destroy you, but he doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to save you. And the scripture comes to mind, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it is true that in sanctification, sinful attitudes and practices must die. But the Lord will preserve the people who cooperate. Wow. The Lord will preserve the people who cooperate because some people will rebel, you know. Some people won't see themselves doing sinful acts. And um, sometimes when the preachers preach, I, I know we rebel and 
we say all kind of stuff and that sort of thing. Isn't it better to just say, yes, Lord, yes to him? Isn't it better to just say, Lord, forgive me? I know I've done that which is wrong. When Yahweh appears to the people, the people will stand before his holiness and be transformed. And I pray for a transformation. God's purpose has not changed because of his enduring mercy towards the descendants of Abraham. Yahweh's refining fire will not consume the people. Instead, it will purify them. Oh, praise God for that. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Then, um, if we are reformed, we will be a blessed nation. A blessed nation. A blessed church. A blessed child. A blessed man. blessed woman. Bless city, you know, if we obey the Lord. And in, in his return, or the people's return, Malachi calling them. Verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, tithing here was practiced by Abraham, who, when returning, paid tithe to Melchizedek, king of Salem. And Malachi picked that up, endorsed by the Lord, um, in, over into the New Testament where Paul and Peter also endorsed this, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, note here, he didn't say bring it to the pastor, but the storehouse, the treasury of the church. And why do we need to tithe? And, and let tithing is one-tenth of your increase. If you work and you get the salary, you must pay one-tenth. And that is on the gross now. All right? If you are retired and get Social Security or any other thing, you need to pay tithe. And tithing is on anything increased. If you buy a house, you should tithe on that. If you buy a car, you should tithe on that. If you receive any stipend of any kind, we should tithe on it. That's what is required. Bring ye all. And that word is telling all the time. So today, do, do you owe anything to the treasury? Do you owe anything to the storehouse? And why you need to do this? That there may be meat in my house. Now, if we are not doing that, we are robbing God. We're robbing the nation. And you're robbing yourself. Because he says that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here with the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. For some people, the window is closed against them. Lock up the window because you fail to obey. He'll pour you out a blessing, not a curse, but a blessing. So I encourage all of us today. Now, tithing is not for just those who are members of the church because somebody might be listening today that is not saved. It's for the workman. If you have a business, 
will save or not, you must pay your tithes, one-tenth of that increase, because it's God who gives the increase. So everybody, the entire nation, is, should tithe. Since the days of Abraham, it was the custom that the tithe, one-tenth of one's income, was to be given to the service of God. You're not giving it to the pastor, although the pastor benefits. You're giving it into the treasury of the church. Divine blessing has always been associated with the faithful giving of the tent. And we find that in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, if you need clarification. Hebrews 7, 4 to 6, the tent is only unto the Lord. And somebody said, when them get them paychecks, the first thing them do is bless it, take out their tithes, and they put it away. Right? And it's a good practice to follow. Malachi charged the people of robbing God. The Hebrew word, Quaba means to take forcible. Malachi did not charge the people with failure to give, but with forcible taking the tent from the treasure of the Lord. In other words, failure to obediently give the tent is not a small matter. It is an act of violence against the mission of God. Let me say that again. Failure to obediently give the tent is not a small matter. It's an act of violence against the mission of God. Just as faithful tithing ensures divine blessing, failure in tithing encourages divine curses. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, Malachi 1, 14, 2, <coughs> and 2. 2, 2. The tithe is the test of the people's fidelity to God, faithfulness to God, and God's faithfulness to the people. So we are faithful to God, and God is faithful to us. We are faithful to God, and God is faithful to us. Yahweh challenged them. Prove me now. Test me now in this. The response of the people is telling, it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? Failure to tithe is a crisis of faith. Somebody say, oh, me have so much bills to pay, me can't even meet my bill. It's a crisis of faith. Oh, me can't pay me tithe because the son some rent due, my car thing due, and so and so. Well, we need to trust God. I've listened to people, and I've had that in my own life, where you have the last one left. And it should not be the last. First thing should have been the tithe out. But you have it. And the bills come to a creditor call. And it's a testing to see whether you're going to trust God or not. Because God will give you the strength to work. God will provide the money for you. Can provide you if you have faith in him. Pay it faithfully and trust God. And he will do the rest. Be faithful to God. And God will do the rest. The people were quick to question the faithfulness of God. But they were unwilling to discern their own for sinfulness and unwilling to take up God's challenge. The people questioned the faithfulness of God, but they were unwilling to discern their own sinfulness and unwilling to take up God's challenge. It's a challenge for us today. Sunshine, it's a challenge for you today. The people's unwillingness to open their hearts towards God led to impervished nation. The key to national blessing is generosity. God's desire is that his wealth, the promised land, be known as the, the delightful land among all the nations of the earth. Generosity opened the windows of heaven 
so that blessing may overflow. The windows of heaven are open. Blessings are falling tonight. Joy, joy, joy in my soul. Since Jesus make everything right. Come on today. Why? Because it demonstrates a heart after God. Praise the Lord. Pay your tithes. Be faithful to him in tithing and giving. Tithing is one-tenth. Giving, the giver decides how much you give. We don't tell you how much you give. And I'm not saying anything that is not biblical. I want to see you receive blessing. I want to see you blessed. I want sunshine to be faithful, to be an example to all the other churches, to everybody else, of how we are faithful to God and God is faithful to us. And it's a message that needs to be preached by all our leaders, by all our departments. And I hope that all our ministers and all our support leaders and all our members will be faithful to God and obey him in everything we do. May the Lord bless you as we do that. We, we're talking about a blessed nation. Pastor Ho, you want to do a righteous nation? Yes, sure. The- uh, Ma- Malachi three uh, sixteen through 18 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord, and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall he return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Even as many of the people rejected Malachi's message, there were some who feared the Lord. And I pray that those that are listening will be among uh, those that fear the Lord. Those who feared Yahweh would be remembered in the day of the Lord. And this fear doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, that you are, quote-unquote, fearful, that you're scared. It doesn't mean that. It, 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 it speaks to being God. reverent yes, to God, yes. being respectful, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure that you honor God. And, and Senior Pastor just talked about honoring him with the way we give. But it's not only with the way we give, it's everything that we do. We should honor and reverence God in our giving, in our attitude, in our worship, um, in our attendance. I mean, you, you name it. In the way we treat others, that's what we're talking about. That's how we are honoring God. That's fearing God. That's reverencing God. Um, those who feared Yahweh would be remembered in the day of the Lord. Those who maintained covenant with God would survive the coming judgment. Malachi here is reminding the Israelites that keeping covenant with God is more than heritage or genealogy, more than biological descent from Abraham. In the day of the Lord, only those who have been 
faithful are the true descendants of Abraham. Only the faithful will be God's own possession. And only the faithful will be spared in the coming day of the Lord. Now that should scare us. Because the question now arises, are you faithful? Because it says here, only the faithful will be God's own possession. So, are you faithful? Because the faithful, only the faithful, will be spared in the coming day of the Lord. Throughout the period of the return, God's enduring mercy proved more than sufficient to restore the nation. The Lord's final statement in the Old Testament begins, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Malachi 4, verse 5. God is the divine architect of our life. He is. Right? He's built it the way he wants to. Amen. Right? He's ordered our steps in his word. He has given us a future. Amen. As we find in Nehemiah. He's given us a hope and a future. And so all we have to do is be faithful to him. Our relationship with God is reliance on our obedience. Not only must we be obedient, but we must always remember what he has done for us. Obedience begets trust. It intimates to God that we trust what he says and where he leads. If we do not obey, we face consequences like the children of Israel did. Separation from God. I don't believe anybody that's listening wants to be separated from God. Because we see in the northern and southern kingdom, when they were in exile, what happened when they were separated from God. And my prayer and my hope today, our hope today, is that we return. Amen. That's what this lesson is about. Return. Start picking up your Bible again. Start reading those verses. Start singing songs of praise and worship before the Lord. Don't become despondent and discouraged as the rem- those are, they, they call them the remnant. Don't be discouraged like the remnant because things aren't progressing the way they should or how quickly you want them to. Wait on the Lord. Amen. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Return. Return to the former. Return to those things that God had put in your spirit. Dust off those ideas. Start allowing God to use you and work through you so that his kingdom will be glorified. His kingdom will be built and he be glorified. I'm going to turn it over to you, senior pastor, and we ask that if you can pray for us that we return. Let us all return. Amen. And... Um... We want to be God's triumphant people. 
There's a quote here throughout the Old Testament. The fourth gods of the nations failed to protect the interests of their patrons. The gods, and spelled with a common G-O-D, gods of Egypt, could not prevent Yahweh plagues. The gods of Canaan could not prevent the victories of Joshua's armies or the ascension of David to the throne. When Judah and Israel sinned by worshiping the gods of Canaan, their new idols could not prevent Yahweh from judging both nations. When God initiated the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the gods of Persia proved inept. An ancient blessing pronounced many generations before stood the test of time and proved the enduring mercy of God. Blessed are you, O Israel. And I could change that to say, Blessed are you, O sunshine. Who is like you, O victorious people? Yahweh, God, is the shield that protects you and the sword that leads you to triumph. Your enemies will try to corrupt you. Oh, praise God. But you yourself will trample on their backs. Let's go get them sunshine. Let's be victorious. Let's be a triumphant people because we have heard the words of the Lord and we have returned to the God of our salvation. Bow your heads, everybody. Righteous God, holy is your name. We say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. After going through this lesson today, we see you at work. Oh God, through Ezra, through Nehemiah, we see you at work through Malachi. We want to be obedient people. And if we're going to get your blessing, we realize that we ourselves have to be faithful. Because if we are faithful to you, you will be faithful to your promises. If we reject you, you will also reject us. Lord, we are afraid of your judgment. We are afraid of the judgment that is to come to the world. So we know that you will judge us in righteousness. We pray for everyone listening today, especially for those who have gone away from you, those who have strayed from you, those who have strayed from your ordinances. And some are in, but they don't trust you. They don't believe in you. We pray for restoration. Oh, to come to them today. Those who have lost the faith, those who have lost hope in you, we pray, God, that their hope will be built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Oh, God, we look today to thee today because our help cometh from you. Oh, and as the people return to you with a heart willing as you stir it up the king of Persia. As you stir him up and give him a mandate 
We pray that there will be a stirring today, stirring and rising up. As your spirit stirs, the people rise up. They raise up to build. And help us, Lord, that we will have that same spirit today, that that spirit, spirit of Jeremiah and Nehemiah, oh God, will get a hold of us. Oh God, and we will build the walls, the torn down walls. We will build it because the people had a mind to work. Oh God, some people are just sitting and waiting for your return, doing nothing. Not telling about your goodness, not telling about your love, not giving to your cause. But we pray that there will be a resurrection today. Oh, in every quarter. Oh, in every language, in every city, in every town, in every state, in every country. We pray that there will be a stirring by your spirit today. And we believe that through this COVID-19, you're stirring people up to see that we need a Savior. In times like these, we need a Savior. Help us to be very sure that our anchor holds and grips to the solid rock. We ask you once again for those who are not saved. Truly, Lord, we don't want them to go into hell where the fire quench not where the worms diet not, where they will be tormented forever. But, oh God, we want to come and live and reign with you, that which you have promised, that you will go to prepare a place for us, and you will come again and receive us unto yourself, that where you are, we may be also in a land of bliss, a land of peace, where the lions will lie down with the lamb. Hear us today, Lord, we pray, and bless us, and we ask that you will bless all our ministers. This being Purge Appreciation Month, we pray for everyone. Help us not to be wary in well-doing, O oh God, because you have no other mouth but ours. You have no other feet but ours. You have no other eyes but ours. And help us to tell the message and I pray that you will keep that which we have committed unto you against that day. Bless the ministry that you have given unto us, Lord. Help us, Lord, that it will go from strength to strength. We thank thee for those who have been hearing, those who have been responding, those who have been calling, those who have been inquiring. We thank you, Lord. And we pray that thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. We thank thee today. Our ask that you remember Deacon Campbell. Oh God, bless him, we pray. He had an accident yesterday. But thank you, Lord, that his life is spared. Thank you that you have been with him and you will be with him all the way. What a blessed man. Thank you for his faithfulness because he has been faithful to you. You have been faithful to him. And whatever needs to be done to re- Pair and restore his vehicle, we pray that it will be taken care of. We know it will be taken care of because, God, you are his keeper. You are his shade. You are his helper. You are his provider. We thank you and for everyone else. We pray today 
And until the time comes where we will meet again, help us, Lord, that we will still be in touch with each other. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Anybody sick today, we pray for healing. Anybody that needs provision, provide for them, we pray. Because you are our waymaker. We thank you, Lord, and we bless your name forever and ever. We say amen and amen.